As a vibrant part of campus life, our chapel gathering at Trinity Western creates opportunities for us to hear and be changed by God's story in Jesus through music, teaching, prayer, scripture reading, and storytelling. We're glad you're listening in today. We hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. and welcome again to Trinity Western Chapel. It's so good to be with you again. If you weren't here last time, my name is Elise and I'm a local pastor here in Surrey, BC. And it's just so great to be with you guys and walking through the book of Job with you guys a little bit. Uh, Last time we talked about Job chapter 17 and we talked about two ways to navigate times of difficulty and navigate the feeling of isolation that comes along uh, with suffering that we so often feel. Uh, We talked about walking with integrity, the importance of recognizing that what we're going through isn't our fault, but it is our responsibility. And we also talked a little bit about uh, what it means for us to take our experiences and integrate them into our faith and into our character so that we can uh, grow from them and hopefully use our experiences to impact others down the road. I shared a little bit of my own story uh, towards the end of that message. Well, really, it was more uh, me and my mom's story about how her experience as a child led to her advocating for me as a child. Uh, And I hope you'll forgive me if you were here and you heard that story already, but there was another aspect of that story that I kind of glossed over that I I felt was actually quite relevant to to our chapter today in Job. Um, if you weren't here last time, what happened was um, my, I suffered an injury to my leg that went undiagnosed for a really long time. And actually, a lot of doctors were telling me that it was all in my head, that it was psychological, uh, until a specialist came along and, and finally did a special x-ray that, that told us what the problem was, what the source of my pain was after several months. And what I really learned, I think, from that experience is... Um, <clears throat> that it's not just the pain that was bothering me. It's not just the pain uh, that I was feeling in my leg that was making the situation hard for me. It was actually uh, the frustration of not knowing why or how the pain was happening. Um, And it got me thinking, when we're going through difficult times, when we're suffering, it is so often the case that not knowing why we're going through it or not knowing how or what led to the situation that we're in uh, or or what happened uh, to derail us, it's often not knowing why or how that frustrates us almost as much as the situation itself. And we see that a lot in Job, I think. Um, When we read Job's words, we see um, that as much as the frustration and the pain of his suffering is getting to him, it's actually the frustration of not knowing why or not knowing what led to this situation happening, not knowing what led to uh, the breakdown, the distance that he feels between him and God, not knowing all of those things bothers him almost as much as the situation itself. And try as they might, his friends just frustrate him more because they try to give him explanation after explanation, but he just knows that they're way off base. And so Job is frustrated because he doesn't just want any old explanation, any kind of, uh, any made up reasoning as to what, why he's in the situation he's in. He, he wants the explanation and he wants to hear it from God. 
And so we can understand why he's frustrated because when we suffer, when we go through difficult situations, so often that's what frustrates us, isn't it? Um, when we suffer, we have a lot of questions that we don't get a lot of answers to, right? I mean, think about it. Um, when, when, we, when a loved one gets cancer, what's our first instinct? Well, why, why, why them? Why this person? Or, or when, um, when somebody's spouse abandons them, we go, well, why, why them? Why their spouse? Why was their spouse? Why was my spouse unfaithful and, and, deci and decided to leave me? Why? Why? Why me? Why them? Um, when a loved one passes away unexpectedly and we're going through this period of grief and mourning, well, why? Why? Why do we have to go through this? Why, why did this person have to get taken from us so young or, or so unexpectedly? Why? That's so often the question that's on our minds when we're struggling uh, with, with suffering. The unknown is almost as frustrating as the situation itself. Now, Job doesn't give us an answer to why these things happen. Surprise, surprise. Um, Job doesn't give us an answer, but, but he does show us how we can deal with the frustration of not knowing and deal with it faithfully in a way that honors God. And the way that he shows us how to do that um, is quite simple, actually. It's holding on to what we know about God and letting go of the things that we don't. Those are both represented in our chapter today from Job 23. So let's take a look at that. We're going to start in verse 1. And again, I am reading from the ESV version. So if you are following along, that's great. Um, but feel free to follow along in any translation you like. Then Job answered and said, Today also my complaint is bitter. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. There, an upright man could argue with him, and I would be acquitted forever by my judge." Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food." Now, the first thing that we notice in these 12 verses is the way that Job should displays a high amount, a big amount of confidence in two things. First thing that we see is he displays a huge amount, a, a huge amount of confidence and conviction um, in his character. He expresses a, a lot of confidence and conviction in his character in that he knows that he has followed God's ways and he knows that he has lived faithfully. In fact, he's so confident about his character and about his integrity, integrity that he is willing to meet God in a courtroom setting in order to have that proven uh, and in order to have that proven to the people around him and, and in, in front of God, really. And we might read this and, and kind of go, well, that's, that's a little bit overconfident, don't you think, Job? Um, that's a little, almost a little braggy, you know? Like, uh, it's a little overconfident to say, you're telling me that you don't think you've done anything wrong, Job? You're telling me you think that you're, you're completely flawless, you're completely blameless? 
Um, and, and I think to read it that way would actually to be to misunderstand what Job is doing here, to misunderstand what Job is trying to say. I think what Job is trying to do here, instead of being overconfident, is he's actually expressing two things. He, first of all, he is expressing a refusal to play his friends' games when it comes to God. His friends, for them, God is very simple. When you do something good, God rewards you. When you do something bad, God punishes you. A equals B. And what Job is saying is that no, A does not equal B. God is not an equation. God is not a formula. Um, this does not make sense. This does not compute. This is not, uh, this is not that linear. And so Job is refusing to play that game with God, the same game that his friends are playing. And the second thing that is going on here is Job is not expressing overconfidence. He's actually expressing clarity. There's no ambiguity about how Job has lived up to this point. There's no ambiguity in Job's mind either about what it means to live faithfully according to God's ways. Job knows what it means to live as a, as a faithful follower of God. Job knows, and he knows that he has done everything in his power to live as faithfully as he can. That's a challenge to us today, but I'm gonna go into what the second area that he showed confidence and conviction in, and that second area is in God's, God's character. God's character. Um, and it's actually quite remarkable when you think about it. Even though Job feels like there's distance, we read in verses eight and nine about how he goes forward and goes back and on the right and on the left, he just doesn't see God, he doesn't perceive God's presence. Even though he feels like there's this distance between him and God, he still recognizes that God will not bully him, he will not intimidate him if he were to meet God. God would not uh, exercise that kind of dominance over Job. Instead, God would listen to Job. God would take the time to, to hear Job out. That's, that's impressive, right? And Job is so confident still in who God is and the kind of God that he is. And all of this confidence and conviction in, God, in his own character and in God's character uh, challenges us uh, to, to think about how, how strongly we hold how strongly we hold on to uh, God's ways being the best ways, how, hold, how strongly we trust that God's character is good even when, he's, even when we don't perceive him immediately near us in the moment, even when he feels far away, do we trust that God is still good? Do we trust that he is still, his ways are still the best ways? And are we confident that we are living according to that standard? If someone were to look at our lives from the outside, would they be able to tell that we are a follower of God? Would that be obvious from our actions, from our interactions with other people, from our relationships? Would that, would that be so obvious to other people? Is it obvious to us? And I would suggest, I would contend that there is no room for ambiguity when it comes to our walk with God. If we wanna be a faithful follower, follower of God, scripture is very clear. The Holy Spirit's conviction uh, is, is available to us to, to tell us whether or not we've been living according to the ways of scripture, according to the ways of God. Jesus' example is made clear to us. It, it's so obvious what it means for us to live according to the ways of God, that there's no room for ambiguity, there's no room for I don't know. 
So if we're not clear, if we're not confident and clear about the fact that we, are, we, we trust God's ways, we believe that they're, that they're the best way to go, and, and we're confident, if we're not confident that we are doing that, that we're living that out daily, then we need to get to a place where we know, where we're better acquainted with scripture, where we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, and we know Jesus' example, and we're living by that day by day. There's no room for ambiguity. We have to hold on to what we know. We have to hold on to what we know. Because there is a lot, and we're going to go into this in the next few verses, there's a lot that we don't know, actually. And a proper view of God admits that there's a lot of, about God's ways that we don't know. Let's keep reading in verses 13 to 17. But he is unchangeable, and who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. For he will complete what he appoints for me, and many such things are in his mind. Therefore, I am terrified at his presence. When I consider, I am in dread of him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silenced because of the darkness, nor because thick darkness covers my face. Job recognizes the sovereignty of God. These verses speak to a, a reverence, a fear of how big, how unknowable, in a sense, God is. So yes, there's so much that we can know about God, but a proper view of God recognizes that, there, that, that he, as a, he, as a being that is so unlike us, because we are human and we're limited and we're finite, there are a lot of things that we don't understand about his ways and what he allows, because we don't see things the way God sees them. Um, so while there's a lot that we know about God, there's a lot that we can't know and we can't comprehend. We can't even hope to understand about why he does what he does because we simply just can't, we simply can't wrap our minds around it. We're simply not on the same level as God. And so our view of God has to make room for the possibility that God is unpredictable, the possibility of unpredictability, as I'm gonna call it. And this scares us. This scares us as human beings because we hate unpredictability. We hate, uh, we hate unexpected situations coming up and throwing our world into disarray. I mean, think about it. Uh, we are a society uh, that is saturated with solutions. There are so many solutions out there that we've come up with for problems that are so minor and so small uh, because we hate the idea of being inconvenienced for even a second. Right? Like, think about it. We, we take an Advil when we have a headache so we can get rid of it and get back to work, get back to normal life. Uh, when we're tired uh, and we don't have, feel like we have the energy, our solution is chug an energy, energy drink, get back to it, right? Um, our solution, when you feel lonely, do you need a quick fix for feeling lonely? Well, we have one. It's a dating app. We have dating apps out there for all these people who feel lonely and don't know how to fill the void. And if you're feeling bored, if you're feeling like your life is, is, is or if you're anxious, if you're feeling like your life is, uh, is, is kind of directionless or, or you're just anxious about being in a certain situation or, or you just have nothing to do, nothing to fiddle with, here's a solution. We have these mini supercomputers in our hands that we can scroll through for three hours mindlessly. We've come up for, to, for solutions for every little thing, Every little thing that you can possibly think of, every little problem that could possibly come up and inconvenience us or cause us a little bit of anxiety or a little bit of frustration or a little bit of pain. We've come up with solutions for almost everything. And I think this is part of uh, our, just our desire to be in control. 
This is part of our desire to be in control. We don't want anything to be out of our control. And the problem is that we were never designed to always be in control. We were never designed uh, to be the one to solve those deeper issues, those deeper, those deeper cravings, those deeper longings that we have. We were never designed to solve all of, those, all of the relational issues that we face, all the deep uh, pains and longings and cravings that we face. We are never designed for that. That's outside, uh, that's above our pay grade, you could say. And so in Job, we see this recognition that human beings are limited, that human beings are limited, but we serve an unlimited, unlimited God, a boundary, boundary, uh, a boundaryless God in the sense that he is able to do anything, uh, able to perceive everything and all, and all knowing. We are limited beings, but God is, is unlimited. And so it's important for us as human beings to lay down our pride, to stop trying to be in control all the time, stop trying to solve and fix every issue that we face, admit our limits, admit our human limits, and allow God to be the one in control. In other words, we need to let go of what we don't know. We need to let go of our need to explain everything away, to solve everything, come up with a solution for everything. We need to let go and allow God to do what only he can do. We need to let go of what we don't know. Part of that letting go process, actually, too, is humbling ourselves to adapt. Instead of fighting against our situation, instead of raging against it, um, and, and allowing the frustration to get, get the better of us, recognizing God's sovereignty actually means humbling ourselves enough to adapt to the unknown, to adapt to the unpredictability. Now, our church has been reopened for about, I want to say, since July. Our church has been reopened, and when we first started, one of the things that a lot of us missed was being able to do communion together again. Um, but we recognized that with the situation that we're in with COVID, we couldn't do it the way that we used to do it, because if you've ever been to our church, you'll, you'll know that we cut up actual pieces of bread, gluten-free, <laughs> um, and we serve it with little cups of, of grape juice or whatever, and, and um, that's not exactly COVID-friendly. So we ordered these, uh, these little uh, individualized communion cups. Um, it comes with grape juice on the bottom and a little wafer that can really only be, des be described as styrofoam on the top. Um, and if you've ever been to a major conference or a youth conference or anything like that, you've probably taken one of these. Um, but this is how we're doing communion right now. And I was preparing to, to, to do communion at our church just a couple weeks ago, and I remember looking this, at this and going, oh, like, I'm sad. I miss... I miss what it represented when we ate from the same loaf. I miss what it represented when we, when we served communion to our people. I, I miss all of that. But I really felt God uh, saying to me that this, in a lot of ways, is a symbol. It, it's, very, it's a symbol. It's a visual reminder of our need to adapt and our need to hold on to what we know, hold on to the truth, while we adapt to what we don't know. This looks really different from how we used to take communion. It's really unfamiliar. But the truth behind it, the truth that it represents, the body that is broken for us, the blood that was poured out for us, 
the truth that it represents is, has not changed one bit. It hasn't shifted, it hasn't gone anywhere. And this is the truth that has sustained our church while we were unable to meet. This is the truth that's sustaining our church now as a lot of our members go through difficult times and walk through a, a lot of difficulties as a result of COVID. It's the truth that sustains us for whatever's gonna come in the future. And whatever is going to come in the future, the truth won't change. But the Holy Spirit will show us how we can adapt. And the Holy Spirit will show us how we can roll and go along with the punches that are thrown at us. And it really puts into new perspective what it means to be more than a conqueror, as Paul puts it in Romans. It really puts into new perspective uh, what Paul says in, uh, in later on when he says that he knows the secret of being content in any and every situation. And perhaps if you've, been a new if you've been a Christian for a long time, you know this already, that the secret to what Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in the same direction is not discovering a new truth about God every week or every month in order to get you through every new situation. The secret to walking a long walk with God is rediscovering old truth and adapting it to new situations and new circumstances and new seasons of life. And that's my prayer for you as you go up through the rest of your semester, that you would know that whatever comes at you, whatever is thrown, at you, thrown your way, you would rediscover the richness of God's love, the richness of God's truth and be led by the Spirit to adapt it to each and every new situation that you find yourself in. That you would discover the secret of being content in any and every situation, whatever that looks like. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you so much for your word, for the old truth that we rediscover in you in each and every situation. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would show us how we can adapt to every situation that comes our way, that, Lord, we would really resonate, that we would really get the sense that we are more than conquerors because we will not be conquered by anything. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be confident and clear. Let there be no ambiguity about the fact that you are good. Your ways are the best ways. And, Lord, that we will find fullness and abundance of life if we simply choose to follow in them. Help there, to, help there to be no ambiguity about the way that we live and who we follow in the way that we live. We love you and we thank you, and we surrender to you, God. We yield all the things that we don't know to you, Lord, and we trust that you're going to help us make it through each and every single day, whatever that day looks like. Through the good days and the bad days, God, you are still God, and we love you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening. It was a pleasure to be with you, and I hope you have a great rest of your semester. Bless you. Thanks for listening. We hope to worship with you at our next broadcast online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with Chapel and Student Ministries by following us on Instagram at twuchapel and at TWU Student Men. Much love.